I've spent the last two years learning from the best social media entrepreneurs out there and implementing the skills and ideas they have taught me in order to grow two successful social media businesses. After some time though, I realized that social media was only part of the story. As I expanded my network, I kept finding young entrepreneurs with multi-million or even billion dollar businesses that weren't doing anything on social media. Instead of building their personal brand and selling courses, these entrepreneurs were solving massive market needs by creating the next Airbnb or Uber. But the real question is, as a young entrepreneur, which of these options is best for us? Social media influencer or startup founder? That's where this podcast comes in. With a mix of interviews with people from both sides of the aisle, you can see what appeals to you and how you can take the steps to start and grow your business immediately. Join me and follow along as I sit down with some of the top social media influencers and startup founders in the world to ask the most important questions and extract the information you need without the fluff you don't. My name is Apple Kreider and welcome to Young Smart Money. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Kreider. Today, y'all are witnessing a, a historic moment in history. This is the last episode, final episode of season one, chapter one, whatever you want to call it, of uh, Young Smart Money. So, over the last two episodes, um, with uh, both Nick Myers and with uh, Zachary Blumenfeld, I mentioned that uh, the show is pivoting. Okay, so we're pivoting. Still going to be Young Smart Money. Still going to be the same place. Still going to be the same person. Um, but the topic is going to change. It's going to be personal finance specific. Okay, personal finance for young entrepreneurs specific. So instead of talking to online gurus, people like Chase who are making a um, quarter million dollars a month uh, with YouTube, we are going to be talking to people who are very knowledgeable in the personal finance space for young entrepreneurs. So people like financial planners specializing in working with young entrepreneurs, um, maybe tax specialists, people who are specializing in different business structures. Um, and kind of just learning the ins and the outs of personal finance, credit cards. I'm a huge credit card nerd, so a lot of that stuff. Um, but we're going to be talking more about personal finance than we are about just general entrepreneurship. The show's going to be more action-oriented, leaving you with actionable takeaways after every episode, more structured than just sort of the conversational vibes um, I've been going for here. So I'm super excited for that. Um, and I'm interested as always to hear what your thoughts are on that. So either drop a comment if you're on YouTube or if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, feel free to shoot me a DM and let me know what you want to see or um, what you're kind of thinking about this new format. I'm super stoked for it. Um, and uh, I hope you guys are as well. It's, it's much more in my passion area, kind of the intersection of entrepreneurship, uh, young entrepreneurship, especially, and then personal finance. So, um, and that's, it's, it's super relevant to me. I mean, just figuring out the best ways to structure my business and to utilize credit cards and all that kind of stuff. That's what I'm doing every single day. So sharing that stuff with you is um, something that just makes a lot of sense. So that's what we're going to be doing. But uh, due to today's interview uh, with Chase, uh, basically, uh, if you guys don't know who Chase is, we did a, an interview in the past. Um, you can find that on any of the podcast platforms or YouTube. Just Google Chase Dynamic and it's uh, like the first or second search result. So um, that, that interview did pretty well. Um, you guys seem to really enjoy that one. So we figured we would bring it back for a round two. Um, at that point, Chase was making about $50,000 per month on YouTube. Um, as a 20 year old, now he's 21, he's making about a quarter million dollars a month, 250K per month online with YouTube every single month, which is absolutely bananas as a 21 year old, um, not your not your average bear. So um, we're gonna really dive into how he's doing that. He's got um, what he calls Cash Cow YouTube channels. So if you guys want the foundational kind of knowledge of what Chase is doing, um, 
check out the first interview because this one is more um, specific. We're going a little bit more specific than the first one was. So the first one was more like general, what are you doing? How are you doing it? Um, so if you want that information, check that out. I'll link it in the show notes so you can find that there. Um, but uh, this one is going to be more specific. So having that one as foundational knowledge will be good. Um, but yeah, so Chase is doing some, some crazy stuff on YouTube with, with about 20 different YouTube channels. I'm just going to dive into all of that good stuff. Uh, we're going to answer some more specific questions because as soon as that interview went up, I've been getting consistent questions from y'all um, just, just for Chase. And so it was good to be able to bring some of those to him in this follow-up. So if you shot me a DM on, on Instagram about um, that that interview, you might um, hear your question asked here, which might be kind of cool for you because, um, again, um, it's kind of it's uh, I don't know it's, it's hard to get a hold of some of these people um, if you're just if you're just a random person that's trying to ask them a question so um, that is going to be what we're going to be talking about and um, yeah we're also going to actually uh, talk about personal finance near the end so it'll be a little bit of a, a segue into the the new season um, because Chase is somebody who he, he doesn't call himself frugal um, but he's definitely gotten a lot more um, sort of regimented and just kind of um, honed in on how he's using his money because I mean as a 20 year old 21 year old making hundreds of thousands of dollars every single year or every single month um <laughs> I mean I mean a lot of a lot of young people um would just be blown out of control and that's kind of what Chase was doing at first but now he's kind of honed in he's focused more on the long term he is investing in um in real estate specifically um so he's going to talk a little bit about that he bought his first commercial property about four or five months ago so he's going to kind of dive into why he did that and what his plan is with investing both in real estate and stocks for the future so um it's it, it's going to be super fascinating I'm, I'm stoked that I'm in this conversation I had a real good time um recording with Chase good friend of mine. It's always good to um, chat it up with him. So without further ado, uh, let's just hop right into the podcast with Chase. I hope you guys enjoy it. All right, Chase, welcome back to Young Smart Money. It's been it's been a little while, but um, I'm stoked to have you back on the show, man. Most definitely glad to be back as well, man. <laughs> I don't have many people back on the show, the The number of people I can count on one hand. So um, I'm super stoked to have you back here and closing off season one. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited to, to, to bring it bring it back with season two with, with some really, um, with some new perspectives and kind of hone in on, on the personal finance side of things. But before we do that, I'm stoked to have this conversation. Um, you brought, you brought the value hard. Um, the first time you were on the show, I think the YouTube video, of this has got, I don't know, a couple 30,000 views or so. So people definitely enjoyed that. So I'm, I'm stoked to have you back. Um, so for the listeners that didn't catch the first one, or maybe who, who did, um, give us a quick intro as to um, what you're currently working on right now. And um, yeah, what you're up to. Yeah, for sure. So my name is Chase. I basically run 20 YouTube channels in which I delegate the work. So a lot of you guys saw the last episode, but for the ones that haven't, basically what that means is I basically run YouTube channels where I have people that work on them for me. So script writers, voice actors, editors, they all work together. They produce the content on my behalf. I'm essentially like the brains behind the channel coming up with the ideas and orchestrating everything. So I've been doing this for like four and a half years. And in that time, I've recruited around like 7 million subscribers. And along with that, the channels generate around $100,000 a month. So that's basically what I do. It's just content delegation, aggregating content from around the internet, adding voiceover, adding editing, and essentially transforming other people's content into our own per se, and just uploading it and garnering views. Obviously not every video goes viral, but um, some do, and those videos end up making a lot of money. That is, that's absolutely bananas, dude. I mean, $100,000 a month at, at your age, you're what, 20, 21, 22? 21, 21. 21. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely bananas. So how did you, how did you get into this, man? Four and a half years ago, um, you were what, like 15, 16, 17 years old. Uh, how did you get exposed to the world of, of creating YouTube channels, not only creating YouTube channels, but, but like finding ways to delegate the work? 
Yeah, for sure. No, I started producing the content myself. I explained that oh. last episode, but I'll reiterate that as mm-hmm. well because the, obviously some new viewers and everything. Yeah. So I was producing the content myself, like gaming, Call of Duty, like Call of Duty type videos. Mm-hmm. And um, basically I grew a channel to around 80,000 subscribers. And then I ended up giving someone else 30% equity in the channel to produce the content on my behalf. Uh, once I built the channel up, I had leverage. I had a subscriber base built up. So I was able to go ahead and do that. The channel started generating a good amount of money around like fifteen to $25,000 a month. So I ended up taking that money, starting more channels. And here we are today with about 20. And I'm buying one this week for around 40,000. So it should be at 21 this week. But just looking to continuously reinvest and grow. Um, you know, I don't know how long YouTube's going to last. So I want to milk the fuck out of it for as long as possible, to be <laughs> honest with you. Yeah. You never know how long this type of stuff lasts for. Straight up, dude. I got some buddies going viral on TikTok right now, and they've got the exact same mindset. Like, they don't know how long it's going to last. A buddy of mine, um, good friend, actually, his video just got 27 million views, um, which on TikTok is pretty substantial. I mean, like, even even the biggest TikTokers are getting, like, maybe 5 million views a video. Um, So, we got 27 million views, um, totally blew up, got, like, 400,000 followers overnight. And so, he's just milking everything he can out of it because he has no idea how long it's going to last but um yeah I, I totally i totally see where you're coming from on that um when it comes to um the the income when you say a hundred thousand dollars a month is that all ad revenue or, or are you using any other monetization methods on these on these channels yeah that's all ad revenue so i have diversified in the past and i've done like a couple sponsored deals and whatnot and i've also done you know um like promoting my own drop shipping website that was probably two years not about a year and a half ago by this point um, and the dropshipping site was making money. As a matter of fact, I was basically just promoting merch through Alibaba. And it was doing like 20, 30K a month gross uh, with about 50% margins. But the only issue with that was I was sort of diluting my channels because although I had another income stream coming in through merchandise, which was garbage merch, it was like no reorders, nothing like that. So it wasn't really a good business model. But basically, although I had that income coming in from there, it was sort of diluting the channels. The views were slashed in half. So the channel's income was slashed in half. So it's sort of counterintuitive. Although I built up another income stream, it sort of slashed my original income stream in half. So in the end, it really made no sense. Granted, I did a lot. I learned a lot through doing that, like basically about e-commerce and customer service and how I never fucking want to be involved in that type of business again. But um, it was a good learning experience, but overall just counterintuitive and a waste of time in terms of a monetary standpoint. So I have tried diversifying in the past. To be honest with you, it's more of a hassle than it is anything else, unless you're a personal brand from what I've seen. Like if you are a personal brand, obviously there's so many avenues of income through selling your own products, through sponsorships and everything like that. But when you're running the type of channels that I run, where you're basically delegating and there is no face behind the channel, brands obviously know that there's no rapport being built with the audience. So they're not as susceptible to going in and pouring ad dollars in on sponsored deals. So really the only way to monetize these type of channels is through ad revenue, unless you could find a product that's congruent with your audience, or you could find, you know, the needle in a haystack of brands that's willing to pay to get in front of a top 10 or whatnot. So yeah, for me right now, I could diversify if I wanted to, but honestly, ad revenue, takes no fucking work. The ads are displayed automatically and I just prefer that income stream. So if I wanted to, I could diversify, but probably never will. Makes sense, dude. I mean, if it's easy and if, if it's passive, like why not? Why not just stick with that? Why not just have the focus there? And if that's where you're getting the most bang for your buck, the most bang for your time. Like I see no reason to, to, to go beyond that. Most of it's the most scalable by far as well. Sorry to hop in, but it's time for the Young Smart Money review of the day. All right, this one comes from, and this is a doozy of a name, FJKCKE, 
14263. There's not even a way to pronounce that. But they say, great videos, my new podcast to listen to. I recently found this podcast and the information is great for my small scale business. I'm getting into social media apps, especially on Instagram. Keep the content and information coming. Thank you so much. I definitely will do that. I'm glad you're getting value um, and I'm glad you are enjoying the social media entrepreneurship side of Young Smart Money. For the rest of y'all, as always, if you want to get featured on the next episode, it's super simple. All you have to do is head over to CastBox or iTunes and leave a rating and review for Young Smart Money uh, and then uh, you might get featured in the next episode. So uh, without further ado, let's get right back into the interview. So let's let's get actionable real quick here, so if, if a listener wants to get started in some kind of um, top 10 channel, compilation channel, what have you, um, where where do they get started? I mean, like like first steps, maybe like how do they figure out what what niche they should be in? How do they figure out where they should kind of start with, with sort of putting a channel together in the first place? For sure. So I would say for the vast majority of people, delegating in the beginning is probably out of you know the options. Like that's not going to work well because you just might not have the money, whatever the case may be. So I would recommend just producing your own content at first, which there's going to be a steep learning curve there. So you're probably going to go through around a six to 12 month learning curve period where you actually have to learn editing, scripting, voice acting. It's definitely going to be incredibly rigorous. So don't plan on, you know, it being easy by any means, but for those six to 12 months, you know, produce your own content, see how it goes, try to build up a channel to the point where you can make, you know, 500 to a thousand a month. And then you could use that money to start hiring people and then scale from there. Um, it's a lot harder done than said, obviously. But when you are producing your own content in terms of choosing what niche, you could do anything. You could just do generic top 10, you could do sports, you could do gaming. I mean, there's so many different niches out there. Um, there's not one that I would say is necessarily better than others. I'd say there's some that are less saturated, but just going out there and looking at what's going on views, replicating based off of that. I mean, if you're not producing the content at the end of the day, um, you know, it doesn't really fucking matter what you're uploading. You're probably just doing it for the money. So at that point, just look at what's getting the, uh, the most views and just simply replicate based off that. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going out there and copying what works, literally. That's fair. I mean, are you, so are you adding any kind of like twist to it at all? Or are you really just like, okay, this is what works. Here's the framework. Here's exactly what we're going to do step by step by step. Or is there any kind of, of sort of changing things up at all? Yeah, no. So there's definitely like alterations that we'll make. Like we're not just going to go out there and download and upload someone else's sure, video. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But like we'll, we'll go and look like, say for instance, a video goes viral, like 10 things you didn't know about Warren Buffett. We might, you know, improvise in a small way and just do like 10 untold secrets of Warren Buffett. So we'll go out there, we'll look at what's working and then we'll make minor alterations and make videos similar to those that have already garnered views. And we'll try to improve the videos if possible. Sometimes it's just not possible because there are other channels that just have better teams and are, have more resources to actually produce better content, but we'll do what we can and essentially go out there, look at videos that are garnering views and then replicate them ourselves. Hmm. Sweet, sweet. So in terms of, of, of the system that you have, cause I'm sure you have very like, significant systems to have 20 channels that you're managing and just all the, all the people required to do that. Um, what, what kind of systems do you have in place? I mean, is it like, is it video tutorials that you've made? Is it sort of like a, like a written handbook? Is it like, how do you, how do you train on these people that you're bringing on the team? Yeah, it's honestly, it's, that's like the biggest bottleneck I face is finding reliable workers. And then like sure. to scale, that's definitely the biggest issue I've had. So basically when I do find someone that's actually like fucking reliable and good and everything, I'll just, you know, increase their pay significantly and have them do like a lot more work. Um, to work on multiple channels. So like, say for instance, I find someone who's really good, they're making four videos a week. 
I'll be like, yo, like if you could do 12 videos a week, I'll five X your pay or whatever. That way I just don't have to go through hiring someone else and going through that whole process of training them and going through all that. Um, especially cause most of the new people that I do hire, I'd say like 70, 80% of the times it's just pure fucking problems. Like, you know, excuses, just a bunch of bullshit. So I just don't like dealing with that. So basically I'll find the people who are good, you know, the 10, 20%, and I'll just double down on them and have them work on multiple channels. So, I mean, I don't work with too many guys, like probably like 15 to 18 at this point. And a lot of them are actually just working on client channels as well. Um, but for me, basically I just have a few guys who are working on pretty much multiple channels, like three, four channels each, and they build teams. So like I have one guy who's been working with me for years on end now from Serbia and when he started, he was just making the videos himself. And uh, like the currency discrepancy is like fucking crazy in my favor. Cause in Serbia, like I was paying him $800 a month at first. And over there, that's probably like three, five grand a month. Like the dude was literally living like Mark Cuban. So I essentially just upped his pay. Now I think he's making like 4,900 a month and he employs like a full team. He has like two script writers. He has a voice actor. So um, I just doubled down on him because he was really good. And now he's built a full team and he's working on probably four or five channels for me at this point. And I have a few other guys like that, not to his pedigree, but that's basically what I'm doing is just finding people who are good and then having them build a team around themselves and going from there. Sure. Uh, that's sure. bananas. That's system. So, so most of those good people, I know we talked about this a little bit on the last, on the last uh, episode, but um, a lot of them you found through just them having their own YouTube channels, right? That's exactly right. Like small up and coming creators who were, um, just not getting a ton of views or whatever, for whatever reason, this guy happened to blow up. So this guy that I uh, hired from Serbia, he actually did blow up his own YouTube channel. Now he's at like, I think 120 K subs, um, which is pretty fucking crazy. But for the most part, I'm basically going out there and just looking for small up and coming content creators, um, Upwork, Fiverr, obviously other sources as well. Just finding people who are really good at editing, really good at, uh, you know, voiceover. Those are the two predominant skill sets that I look for. Straight up. So that, that brings an interesting question that I got actually only a few days ago on DMs. I'm still getting tons of DMs from that first interview. And somebody asked me a question, which I thought was really interesting. And I thought it was great timing that we're about to do this interview. Um, they asked me like, if somebody's channel does blow up like that guy in Serbia's did, like, how do you retain that person? Like, how do you make sure they don't just say, well, screw you. I'm going to go off my own now. Like, I don't need you. I, I, I have this, like, I have my own thing now. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So there's no way obviously to control that. Yeah. Luckily I haven't dealt with much of that. Um, granted this guy, I do believe he's making more off me than I do than I think he's making off his own channel. And also it's gotten to the point now where he's not doing much of the work because he's built a full team. Um, he's pretty much just overseeing that team. And he's like the middleman where at first he was producing the content. So now he's doing very minimal work, like doing the voiceovers, which is very minimal. It takes like no fucking time. So um, he wouldn't leave probably just because the work he's doing is minimum and it's a consistent 4,900 a month, which for you and I might not be a lot of money, but for someone living in Serbia, that's the equivalent of fucking making like 30, 50 grand a month. So that's a lot of money. Uh, and it's stability too. So unless his channel blew up and he was making like dumb money, he's going to want that sense of stability. They're usually not going to want to leave that. So one, they want the sense of stability Two, um, it's just like upfront pay. So before someone's channel blows up, the reason why they would work for someone like me is because uh, as opposed to uploading to their own channel is simply because they're getting that upfront pay. They don't have to go out there and take that inherent risk of six, 12, 18, 24 months of essentially building up a channel and not knowing whether or not that channel will end up garnering traction. So it's sort of, you know, just like a, a guaranteed way for them to make money. And although there might not be as much upside as the, them going out there and taking that risk on their own channel, some people would rather have that sense of stability and minimize that risk. And some people just can't take that risk in all honesty. 
um, like going and spending two years and building a channel and just not having it work. Some people just can't take that risk. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You need a pretty sizable safety net to be able to do that and, and a little bit of runway to make sure like, yeah, you can actually afford to, to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. Sweet. So um, I'm curious as well, like what your, what your workflow looks like. I mean, you mentioned 15 to 18 people, obviously you have kind of like these heads of different uh, groups of channels. So, so on your day to day, what does this look like in terms of communication, in terms of how your time is allocated, but like, how are you actively managing all of these channels? Yeah. So my YouTube business does not actually consume much of my time at all. Everything's scheduled, uploaded, like everything at this point, because of how long I've been doing it, like I have a lot of systems in place and everything like that. So it probably doesn't consume more than like eight to 10 hours worth of work per week. Uh, the main thing that consumes my time now is my Instagram business, which has become really fucking lucrative as well. I don't know if you've seen, but I've been buying a lot of the business pages. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah. yeah. So I've spent about a quarter million in the last year just buying a bunch of business pages, like get your money right business right now, book of leaders. I mean, oh, if, you go, yeah. if you go through the pages I follow, you'll see, like I, I probably bought like 15 at this point, but um, basically my Instagram business has like that consumes all my time which I have like seven cold callers who are just banging out calls all day, selling my programs. And then I sometimes do calls as well, um, just selling my programs. So that's the main thing that consumes my time is my Instagram business, getting content for my stories, um, working with my current clients, and then also trying to drive new leads through buying other pages, buying promotions, um, you know, making content, all that type of stuff. So that's really my, my, my main time consumer now is definitely the Instagram business. That's bananas. So about how many people do you have involved with that? In terms of employees? Yeah. Uh, probably about seven contractors at this point. Wow, that's crazy. And, and I think a buddy of mine uh, was doing some work for you too as well, uh, Nick Larson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does. Yeah. So I don't pay him. We're partnered on a channel and that was like yeah. the made. But um, yeah, no, Nick's fucking awesome. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, he's, he's done some work for me before in the past with Instagram and stuff. So um, he's a good dude. Nick, if you're listening to this, shout out to you, man. Um, so dope, dope. I'm also, so I'm kind of curious as well, man. I'm a huge personal finance nerd. Um, and from time to time, I see you posting some stuff about personal finance and just kind of philosophies there. So fill the listeners in a little bit on, on, on kind of what your philosophies are when it comes to personal finances. Um, what do you mean by that? Like, uh, like, like, like in terms of um, looking at the long-term gains, and I know you mentioned in your, in your stories, investing in ETFs, passive income, and making sure that, that your lifestyle doesn't get too inflated now. Um, I know a lot of people, if they're making $100,000 a month at 21 years old, um, they're going to be balling out of control. Uh, it seems like you aren't really focused on that kind of stuff. So, so I'm curious to hear more about that. Yeah, for sure. So by no means what I think, like what I claim to be frugal, cause like I'm definitely sure. not in contrast <laughs> to some other people I know, but I do, I'm pretty disciplined with how I spend my money just because in the past I wasn't. And I saw like what that does. It's just not fucking good. So yeah, I mean, I'm just focused on the long term. Like I, I really just want to make as much money as possible now deferred gratification, invest in properties, invest in stocks, build up, you know, a massive net worth, and then eventually be able to retire at a young age. So the only way I could do that, obviously, is if I delay gratification now or make a shit ton of money, which is why instead of having to, you know, kick things back, I want to, you know, turn things up that way I could live really good now and invest and save. So that's why I'm super big on, you know, a million dollars a month and all that type of stuff is because the only way you could really live fucking crazy right now is if you make heaps of money. That way you could you know, save, invest, and live now. Um, so that's my plan is just basically kick things into gear to, to a million a month. And at that point, then I could ball out of fucking control, <laughs> invest, and save. But uh, even if I'm making like two, 300K a month, which is what I'm making right now, like I, I still don't want to spend like crazy. One, because I don't know how long that money could last. And two, 
because I want to just pour everything into real estate and stocks at this point. Um, a million a month, that's a different story. Like that's just fuck you money. So yeah. I mean, I mean, what are, so, so what are your bottlenecks between where you're at now and a million a month? Like what, what are, what are the, the walls you're hitting? Um, one employee is definitely for sure. Like that's the biggest bottleneck is like dealing with reliable employees. I'm just not a good people's person. So I'm not very good with dealing with people. Um, so like that's one thing. And then two, just finding like good talent, reliable, like that actually has integrity and is on time and stuff. That's been pretty difficult as well. I wouldn't say there's many bottlenecks. Um, you know, like since the last time we spoke, I'm pretty sure when we were speaking, I was making like 50 to 70 K a month. Yeah. Um, I've scaled that to like two, 300 K a month now between YouTube, my Instagram business, and then another sports betting business I'm involved in. So it's definitely grown rapidly since then. And hopefully by the end of this year, we'll be at a million a month. Hopefully next time I come on the show, I'll be at that point. Um, but yeah, I'd say the biggest bottleneck or the only one would be, um, the actual employees, you know, it's just super fucking hard to find reliable people. And at the end of the day, because, you know, I'm young, I don't have a ton of experience. I'm probably not the smartest person with that being said, you know, I have a lot of people that try to take advantage that try to be like, yo, you know, I want to work with you. I want to work for you. But obviously I know in the back of my mind, like they're just trying to come in work for six months, garner information and then go become a competitor. So that's another thing you got to be really weary about too, is um, like, that's one thing I've learned the hard ways. Like when you do start making a lot of fucking money, like leeches will pop up everywhere. So you know, I've had a ton of people hitting me up, like asking to work with me. I'm just like, nah, because like at the end of the day, they'll become your competitors. So that's another thing too, aside from finding reliable people and finding people who, you know, are going to work on time and actually have integrity and everything. You also got to be very skeptical of every person you hire because they could potentially become a competitor. So yeah. that's a whole other thing as well. Yeah. So, I mean, how do you deal with that? Is it really just a matter of like, if someone approaches you, it's a no, but if you find someone you want to approach is a yes, like, how do you, how do you figure out if someone's just going to be a leech and, and, and sort of become a competitor in yes, six months? Yeah, for sure. So I, I just genuinely don't hire people that know about my Instagram business. Sure. Um, like if someone hits me on my personal brand asking to work for me, like there's absolutely just no chance I'm going yeah. to work with them. And then my YouTube business and Instagram business are completely separated. So like my YouTube business, none of my actual people that I'm working with know about uh, my personal brand, like they don't know about that. I completely keep those two separate huh. um, and they just have no clue about that. So that helps with that. And then um, I just pretty much work with people that I've known my whole life. So like my sister's my bookkeeper, like one of my friends from high school is my assistant. And then everyone that I've met online that I work with are either people that have gone through my programs, like Sam from Keep On Learning. That's one of my assistants. And he basically was like one of the first people to go through my mentorship. So I'm just very selective. Um, like I try to find people that I've known for a long time that I built rapport with that I trust and just fucking, you gotta have, you know, you gotta be very careful with that type of stuff. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. hundred percent. Have you ever, have you ever gotten burned by sort of like mixing like past relationships and business? Has that ever been like an issue for you or has it kind of been smooth sailing there? No, I don't think so. I mean, off the top of my head, I really can't think of anything. That's real. That's real. You mentioned earlier too, um, past, past experiences with not, uh, being super mindful of where your money was going and kind of burned you. So do you have any examples of just times where you were kind of taking a little bit too far in terms of just like not thinking about where your money was going? Yeah, for sure. So when I was making money at first on YouTube, when I was pulling in like 15, 25 grand a month, um, like I was spending a lot of money just on bullshit, just, you know, on rent, I was spending like a ton of money uh, and my place in Miami. And then also just like on meals, I was just blowing money, like eating like hundred dollar meals every night and shit, which Jeez. is just fucking stupid. Like now I do that and I'm fine doing that. But like back then it just wasn't smart considering my income, but I didn't know any better. So I would say that was the main thing. I've never really been into like other bullshit, but 
mainly just like lavish meals and fucking rents. That's where I was mainly just dumping my money before. That's real. That's real. In terms of like keeping track of stuff. I mean, I know you mentioned your sister's your bookkeeper, but do you do any type of like budgeting or anything? Or is it really just like, you kind of know generally what's coming in and what's going out? Um, in terms of what's coming in, I mean, it fluctuates month to month, like sure. there is no stability, um, especially given the fact that there's three different businesses. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's always different, but, um, like I, I have like a rough estimate sort of say of what's coming in and what's going out. That's pretty much going to be the same every month, give or take some costs, you know, whether like last month, my car had to fix something. So it really fluctuates month to month, but given what I'm spending now, I mean, I, I honestly could spend this amount for the rest of my life and I'll never have to work a day in my life. So that's not an issue anymore. Um, I really won't kick things into gear until I'm making like, like I said, like a mill a month. That's when my lifestyle will really take a bump till then. It's just going to stay as is now. That's bananas. So I know earlier you mentioned stocks and, and real estate, um, kind of briefly just touch on what you're doing there and, and kind of, yeah, what's, what's bringing you to those two areas. Yeah, for sure. So I have one property in terms of like a commercial real estate and in terms of stocks, I haven't invested yet. Um, I will be in the future. But my main plan is just to predominantly invest in commercial property and then also stocks as well. Um, probably real estate will be like the main investment vehicle that I that I go for, um, just because I think it has higher upside. But I do like stocks for the liquidity factor, just because obviously you could liquidate any second. Um, so yeah, I mean that's what my plan is, just to eventually just take all my money, just keep dumping it in real estate, keep dumping it in real estate, and then dumping it in like dividend stocks as well, and just build that cash flow up. Um, Honestly, like you can't get rich saving. Like it's just not possible. The only way to really build wealth is by investing. So I do have a head start. I mean, both of us do because we're both yep. relatively young. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're investing at this age and you fucking invest for 10, 20 years, like God knows what will happen. Dude, compound interest is a crazy, crazy thing, man. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> so why uh, why commercial? Um, any any reason in particular? Like do you plan to do commercial long-term or was it kind of just like you, you saw a good opportunity with the building? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a few reasons. One, like for the eviction process, like with residential, the eviction process is a lot more tedious. And then also because you have like the upside potential of people like reinvesting money into your properties, like with multifamily, you buy a property, a tenant's going to come in, they're going to fucking trash it. And if they don't trash it, they're not going to make improvements. That no. just doesn't happen. With a commercial property, you could buy a restaurant, you could buy a fucking, whatever the case would be, any type of property. And you could have a tenant come in there and like pour money into renovations and obviously that not only increases the, pro the value of the property, but it also increases um, the rent the rent every year and stuff like that. So I just see more higher upside potential with it. Granted, I do think in a recession, multifamily is a safer investment vehicle, but it's all about location. If you invest in certain locations, commercial or residential, I think you'll beat a recession. Mm. And I assume you're not doing like any of the management yourself. No, I am. Oh, you are really? Yeah. So it's like local nearby? Correct. It's like, I'd say within 20 minutes away. Oh, shoot. That's not bad at all. How long have you been invested? How long, like when, how long ago did you buy the building? I think it was about four or five months ago. Okay, cool. Any, any crazy stories to tell so far? Nothing really. I mean, it's vacant right now. It's about a million dollar property and uh, going to hold on to it and just fucking try to get a tenant in there and try, try to build wealth through that vehicle. Sick, man. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Real estate is definitely something I'm pretty interested in too. Um, probably going to wait. I'm, I'm doing some, some serious traveling in the next year here headed to Thailand and like, well, once this episode's out, I'll already be in Thailand, but headed to Thailand in a couple of days, um, spent a couple of months there and then kind of bop around Southeast Asia. So, um, once I'm, once I'm kind of more stabilized, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely planning on, on getting more involved in real estate. Um, so it's, it's super cool. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure I'll have questions for you a couple months down the line. Sure. I mean, in terms of real estate, I think real estate is a better investment overall than stocks. Um, obviously that's subjective person to person. Sure. Only reason why I say that 
is because I think uh, like you, first of all, you own the asset, the asset appreciates, and then you also have the cash flow and all the tax advantages. Exactly. With stocks, the only reason why I do plan on investing in that is strictly for liquidity. I know real estate, in my opinion, is better for accelerating wealth in the long run, but I do believe stocks is still good to have just for one, the liquidity factor, two, for diversification. And three, you also get the cash flow if you invest in dividend stocks. So uh, like the way I see it is this, like stocks, you, it's very difficult to become rich off stocks. Yeah. But usually people just are making money in a business. They put their money in stocks as a wealth accelerator, but they don't just become rich off of investing in stocks. Whereas in real estate, you see a lot of landlords that are rich just off of investing in real estate, whether that be through hotels, through commercial, through multifamily, whatever the case may be. So I think real estate is a better investment vehicle, but it's good to store your wealth in stocks. That's the way I look at it. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think, I think each one plays a part in the portfolio, but yeah, you don't, you don't see many people becoming uh, ridiculously rich off of stocks unless you're talking about like Warren Buffett, but even then it's, it's, it's buying companies more than it's buying stocks. Yeah, exactly. Sick, sick. Well, Chase, um, I know we're coming to the, to the end of, of the, of the interview here. Um, so I, I do want to ask you, man, like, what do you, what do you want the listener to take away with, man? After listening to this conversation between us, we talked about YouTube, we talked about uh, investing, real estate, all that good stuff. Like what, if you could kind of distill what you want the the average young entrepreneur to walk away from this conversation with, like, what is it, what does it really come down to? Like, what is, what's, what's the gist of what you want people to walk away with, what you want people to, to know, um, to, to, to make them better off? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I preach is the same thing that Cardone preaches. I, I mean, you probably know I'm a diehard fan of him. Just follow the money in all honesty. Like, there's a lot of guys on the internet that just say, like, you know, do what you're fucking passionate about. Do what makes you happy. I personally find that to be a bunch of bullshit. Like, one, making money makes me happy. And then two, once you have the money, then you can do whatever the fuck you want. You know, once you have millions of dollars or whatever the number is for you, then you have the freedom to do what makes you happy. So I would say, like, cut out all the noise, chase the money, whatever makes the most money, you know, as long as it's legal, as long as you're not hurting anybody in the process, just fucking do that. And uh, that's what I plan on doing. So I'd say that's the biggest thing, just follow the money. <laughs> Straight up. I mean, like, once once you have, because like it or not, I mean, money is is, is a, a huge part of our lives. I mean, it's, it's something that, that most people's lives revolve around. And uh, some people don't like to admit that. Some people like to, to, to pretend that uh, it's not a, a big factor for them, but I mean, it, it's a big factor regardless. Like it's something that you have to think about. It's a necessity. Um, so, so making that a priority, especially early on, man, like you establish that financial foundation early on and, and you don't have to work a day in your life, like you said. So I think those are words of wisdom and yeah, man, like Cardone says, you got to 10 X that stuff and, and hitting yeah. a million a month would be crazy, dude. So, um, I'm super stoked to, to continue to see, see your, your journey and your climb, man. Cause even just from the last conversation to now it's been it's been wild to see your growth so um yeah chase as always man it's been dope um and i'm glad you um you hopped on young smart money so it's it's been an absolute pleasure and i look forward to uh to our next conversation sounds good man bada bing bada boom that is a wrap guys i hope you guys enjoyed this last episode of young smart money if you did you know what to do um drop us a five star review on itunes it would mean the world to me i literally run on reviews like they are the fuel that goes into my body and gets me jazzed up fired up every single morning so if you take the time literally it's like five seconds to drop a review if you're in the podcast app literally just go to young smart money scroll all the way down past all the episodes at the very bottom there'll be a section that says write a review if you could drop me all of 
your thoughts, all of your questions, all your comments, all your concerns. I would love to read those. I read each and every one of them. Um, and I really do take them all to heart. So that would mean a ton if you could do that. Otherwise, um, if you guys are wondering how I make money on the show, because if you all notice, I don't put sponsors on the podcast. I don't believe in that. I don't want to waste your time listening to some ad about Squarespace or whatever they're promoting these days on the podcast. And I've been approached by plenty of sponsors, believe me, but they all get shown where the door is because that's not what I believe in. But I am still able to monetize this podcast, turn it into a consistent five figures per month of income. If you guys are wondering how I do that, um, I put together a free cheat sheet for y'all. It's a little bit more than a cheat sheet. It's kind of like an ebook. It's like 20 some pages long where I laid out the 16 methods that I use to monetize my podcast. So if you guys are interested in that, um, again, completely free, just head over to applecrider.com slash cheat sheet. That's applecrider.com slash cheat sheet. And you can download that completely for free. Cheat sheet is all one word. Uh, don't ask me to spell it though, because I will probably mess up. So guys, applecrider.com slash cheat sheet for the free cheat sheet. How I'm able to monetize my podcast consistently five figures per month off of that. Um, I really am passionate about podcasting and I want to teach y'all how to do it because I see these guys making videos on YouTube, teaching you like the, the bare minimum, the basics, the stuff that nobody like needs to actually learn. Um, but it's, it's that advanced stuff. It's how to actually make money doing this without having to put sponsors on your show that I think is really, truly valuable. So that's why I wanted to share that with y'all. So guys, again, absolutely free to download. Link will also be in the show notes for this episode. Otherwise, I hope you guys have an absolutely wonderful rest of your day, wherever it leads you. And I'm glad you decided to spend the last hour here with us on Young smart money.